Hey, welcome to another week of the Live Life Aggressive Podcast, another show. Mike Mahler. Hey, what's going on, Mike? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing today? I'm really excited about this show. I love when we do Q&A, man. I love getting yeah. the feedback from our listeners and having a chance to address their questions, their concerns, and it's really cool, man, really just have that feedback and that dialogue with our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think we want people to feel like they're part of the show. kind of reminds me of when I used to go to concerts as a kid. I would see bands like the Cro-Mags and Bad Brains and Agnostic Front, and we would be up on stage jumping off and slam right. dancing in the audience. It was fun, man. And you, could, you, were, you were hanging out with the band before they went on stage. You were hanging out with them afterwards. It wasn't like where it was so segmented that like, there wasn't this whole rock star dogma or this, this whole rock star attitude. It was let's all get together and have a good time. And I think we kind of want our show to be the same way too, where people can reach out to either one of us with their questions, their concerns, their feedback, their tips you know, what they like, what they don't like, and then we can use that to help make the show better. And then they can ask questions that we actually answer on the show so that they're becoming yeah. part of the show that way. And we, we even have listeners, we've had more than one listener who has become a guest. You know, James Pond was a fan of our work, and he told us about what we were doing. We got him on the show. You know, a professor last week, we had him yeah, on the show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, we actually so, had James twice, man. So Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, so they, yeah, folks, I just want you to understand that this is your show as well. This, I mean, that was the reason why we created this show. Yeah, we thought it would be really cool. Like, hey, we have some really cool conversations going here. It would be great to make this a podcast. But the reason why that we even brought it to a podcast format is the fact that it would be cool to privy other folks into this conversation, not just have it amongst ourselves. And when you're having a conversation, that's usually going to be more than just one person talking. Right. So, you know, since we were the subject of the conversation, we want to bring other people into the conversation to have it with us. Otherwise, it's basically Mike and Sincere talking to themselves. Absolutely. No, it's kind of like we're hosting a party. Now, that's kind of like what this podcast is, yep. is, you know, we're hosting a party. We're paying for the production. People are coming over, having a good time. And that's the way that goes, man. So it's, it's been cool. You know, we've been doing this for several months now, and it's, it's getting better each week. Hey, yeah, I want to so thank everybody for the reviews, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For the reviews. Yeah, thank you for emailing us for the reviews. And we're, we're going to continue to hook you guys up with the reviews. I think right now right, we're like right. about 55, last time I checked. And really good. So, again, when you go over to iTunes, oh, and also now if you have Stitcher, which is cross-platform, but a lot of Android users tend to use Stitcher, or if you have iTunes, post your reviews. Let us know what you think about the show. Honest feedback. When you get your reviews in, email us. Email Mike or myself. And let us know that you left a review, and we'll make sure that you get hooked up. So, Mike, tell everybody what they'll get from you. A good yeah, review. you're going you're gonna to get my hormone optimization lecture series. This is eight hours of the most detailed info you're ever going to find on the topic. It's more than you will ever want to know about hormone optimization. It's like getting a master's degree in hormone optimization. <laughs> you, get, you get through that eight hours. It's like reading Mel Siff's super training. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> one of those books that every trainer has, but – no one's yeah. made it through because it's so dense with information. And you get it for nothing. It's a $50 value, and you get it just for giving us some feedback on the show. Now, I mean, if you tell us the show sucks, I'm not going to send it to you because that's someone who's just being a troll, right? <laughs> you know, give us some feedback. I mean, if you're listening to the show, I'm expecting, you know, three or four stars at minimum. And, and tell us what you like about it. Tell us what you don't like about it. But if, if you, obviously, if you think the show sucks, then... You know, don't take exactly. advantage of that. You're probably not a listener anymore, so yeah, exactly. why would it exactly. even matter? Obviously, you right. don't like us. 
I put up a review, Mike, about how the show sucks. Can I get that lecture series now? It's like, no. What, so you can tell me how bad that sucks, too? <laughs> and then you're also giving away a product as well. I'm giving a, a digital version of the Wellness Code book as opposed to the hard copy, but I'll give you guys a digital version of that. And also with that, you'll find so many tips and tools to help you. Actually, a lot of things that we talk about here as far as wellness, we talk about from meditation to just different ways of eating and making it work for you how to incorporate the perfect training program with your lifestyle. And actually what I like to refer to as lifestyle design. All of that is included from various authors, including myself, and you will get a copy of that sent to you as well. You've been getting a lot of positive feedback just from the Hormone Lecture Series and the book, man, and from the Wellness yeah. Code book, just uh, from the, you know, just people dropping their reviews. And I think that's pretty awesome. So, you know, thank you guys for continuing to get the word out there about the show, posting your reviews, letting other folks know again. Love to get those reviews on iTunes and Stitcher because those pretty much are the hot spots where our podcast is, and that's where most of the listeners are. So, thank yeah, again, I mean, you're going to get a lot of tips and tools from us so that you don't have to live your life as a tool. So, I mean, you can't, you can't, can't beat that, right? But you can listen to Tool. That's a great band. <laughs> no doubt. And, uh, and speaking of more tips, we've got a whole bunch of questions we'll cruise through here that's going to give you some really good information. So starting with the first one, we have one on just different, different methods that we would recommend to increase grip strength. And it's funny that that question's coming in because I started using a couple of grip tools that a few different companies sent to me. One is, one is called Grip Sphere, and it looks like a lacrosse ball that you can attach to a kettlebell or a barbell. This thing is awesome for increasing your grip strength. I mean, you really have to squeeze down on this. So, I mean, even – I don't do a lot of curls, but I've been incorporating some thick bar curls into my routine just to increase my grip strength for deadlifts and, and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. yeah, of course, it makes your arms look nicer too, but the grip work is, that you get from that is intense. So I really like this grip fear device. And there's another one also called Fat Grips that sponsored oh, yeah. the UK course I did recently with Dan John, Sabina Scala, and – Jack love it, and the fat grips are badass. And I started using those this week. I did it. I used them for barbell bent over rows. I used it for again some dumbbell curls to work on my grip strength. That stuff is intense, and it makes you can you can attach it to a kettlebell as well. And it, you'll you'll be shocked how much harder a kettlebell swing is with one of these thick grips on. So you can attach these things to any device you use and get it basically turns every exercise into a grip exercise, especially any kind of pulling motion. And then there's there's Captains of Crunch, those the, the cru- Captain Captains Crush, of Crush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not Captain Crunch. Yeah. Captains of Crunch <laughs> and Fruity yeah, the Loop. You know, you know the cereal? <laughs> Eat that cereal and that'll increase the grip strength. Yeah, just working you made those. The, I mean, you were in the UK so long that you've now yeah. been like British names, so it's like yeah, yeah, William yeah. the Lionhearted, <laughs> Captain the <Yeah>. Crunch. Captain the <laughs> Crunch. <laughs> exactly. Those are pretty cool. And then I have a thick bar in my home gym also, which is awesome. I got it from Lisa Schaefer's website, Kettlebell Inc., and it's 80 pounds, just the bar. And then you can use that for, again, bent over rows and stuff like that. So I, 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 I am a big believer in doing additional grip work. And But I am. But what I do is, find clever ways to make exercises I'm already doing more grip intense rather than having a separate regimen where I'm working on a lot of grip stuff. How about yourself? Well, especially being a kettlebell sport athlete, grip is very important. So there's always right. ways to incorporate it. So some more lower low tech methods that I've used, I think we mentioned on the show a couple of weeks ago is to also go in and get Mason's gloves like from Home Depot. So you get a cotton Mason glove and what you'll do is, with kettlebells, what you'll do with that is you can use that while you're doing snatches. If you're used to using a heavier weight, like a 
24, 28, 32, or something like that. And you can do that for a couple of minutes and snatch with that for a couple of minutes or a long cycle with that for a couple of minutes. What you would do with this glove technique is actually drop down two bell sizes. If you're usually using a 24, drop down and get a 16-kilogram kettlebell to do snatches with the glove. And what you'll do with that, what our friend Ken Blackburn, who also coaches me with kettlebell sport, what he does for me when he programs that for me is basically for 10 minutes, basically five minutes each hand, what I'll do with that with the Mason's glove is I will have to do, let's say, about anywhere between 16 to 18 reps a minute with the glove on and do that for a total of 10 minutes, so five minutes per side. Now, the beauty in that is if you put this at the end of a workout, it's not going to fatigue your body and raise your heart rate as much or anything like that. What it truly is working on, because using that lighter bell, is really working that grip strength. And what you'll end up learning how to do, because what I usually see in the kettlebell world, a lot of hands getting torn on snatches and getting torn on, on cleans. And you see people always taking pictures of their hands, their hands are all ripped and bloody, but yeah. they feel like it's a badge of honor. And right. honestly, it's not. It's not a badge of honor. It's a badge yeah, of poor technique. technique. Exactly. You need to work on it. <laughs> so this is one of those things. When you do the glove snatch technique or the glove long cycle, yeah, it makes your grip stronger. But here's the paradox of that. It's making your grip stronger so you can have more of a relaxed grip. And it'll make more sense once you start practicing this. Right. Now, another right. old school way of doing things, there's the old school technique of just throwing a towel over a pull-up bar and doing pull-ups while holding the towel. Mm-hmm. That really helps your grip. Um, another thing is rope pull. So take a three-inch manila rope like they use during battle rope training. Take that and just go hand over hand over hand over hand while dragging the sled or something like that. Right, right. Um, while you're sitting, it makes it even more difficult. No so it's not only you're getting grip work, you're also getting core work by doing that, taking the whole standing situation out of it. Those are very low, low-tech ways of doing things that are a little more cost-effective for those who, well, I don't want to buy any more equipment. Well, here you go. Go buy a pair of $3 gloves at Home Depot, grab your kettlebell, and start swinging, start snatching, start cleaning with that for about 10 minutes. And another good way to really work that, if you're doing snatches with the glove, to add more work to it, do one swing and then one snatch. And that's another thing that will help you also train for time. You'll swing one time, go back on the back swing, and then boom, you go up into the snatch. So one swing plus one clean, and do that with the glove. Man, you want to talk about grip work? Yeah, your forearms are going to be pulsating when you're done with this. But the rest of your body is going to be okay. You're not going to be worn out. So that's what makes it really, really awesome. I've had a lot of friends in the MMA world, once I showed them the glove technique or whatever, I mean, they have, especially the ones in jiu-jitsu, you're not getting away from them in any kind of gi competition once they start incorporating this technique into their training. You're not getting away. And this really helped with a lot of, a lot of folks in, in kickboxing with Muay Thai as well. I'm, I'll even tell you, my clinch got so much better once I learned this from Ken, and who, who also learned from Coach Sergey Runev, who is a world champion kettlebell lifter. Yeah, man, it's it just use something so low-tech, you'd be surprised how much work you have to do with those gloves on. Right. And, and just in case anyone's wondering, folks, guys, jerking off doesn't count for a grip nope. strength. So that's nope. That is. Don't, nope. don't put that down on your, on your training journal as you got your grip work in. Here's the problem. Most of you guys use lotion. That's not doing anything for the grip strength. <laughs> You're not going to learn that whole uh, loose. When we're talking about jerk. We're not talking about that situation. We're talking about kettlebell exercises here, people. Yep. So clean, jerk, snatch has nothing to do with what you're doing in your personal time, guys. Yeah, but you have, you have to wonder about the person who came up with these titles. Oh, yeah, I know. What uh, was this Russian guy thinking? Like, hmm, let's call, let's call it the jerk. Let's call let's this call it one the snatch. snatch. <laughs> it's like, I like that. 
I go to a lot of swinger parties. Let's call this one the swing. The swing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now yeah. everyone's looking, now everybody's sort of scratching their head like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then also I like what you said about just a lot of, a lot of grip strength is also not learning just how to crush grip something, but how to relax the grip. Apply tension when necessary, relax the grip, apply tension when necessary. And like you said, when your grip gets a lot stronger, you don't have to use as much of your grip power to get the job done now, and that allows you to sustain a performance. For example, I mean, when I first started doing kettlebell pressing, you know, to the school of thought I was in, RKC was very focused on just crush grip to handle the whole time. And this whole full body tension is a skill set that's worth learning, don't get me wrong. But it's, it's, it's overkill when you're doing a press because what's happening is, is if I can press a weight that's light for me, okay, like a 70-pound kettlebell is pretty light for me. I can press that 20 times anytime I want. So me crush gripping the handle and squeezing every muscle on my body is like trying to drive my car fast and hit the brakes at the same time. It's, it's <laughs> unnecessarily making it more difficult. Now, if I want to get more toned and make the body harder, there's some benefit of using a lot of tension. So if, if that's a goal, keep that in mind. But when performance is the goal, I want to be much more efficient. So I'll use just enough. I, mean, I don't really need to use any grip power at all. If you hold the kettlebell where it's at that 45-degree angle down the bottom of your hand, pressed into your palm, you know, you just, you just wrap your fingers over the top for comfort. You, know, you don't have to crush grip the handle anymore. It's secure. It's where you right. want it to be. And then you have a nice palm connection to the bell, so that activates your central nervous system connection to your body. So you have, you have a nice, much, much nicer groove when you're pressing the bell overhead. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of like you don't want to make an exercise necessarily – you don't want to make the technique worse as a way to artificially increase the intensity is where I'm going, when performance is the goal, when you're trying to improve performance. Yeah, I think eventually you just brought up the, the handle going 45 degrees and having that palm connection. And I think yeah. that's where the confusion happens with the whole crush grip and the kettlebell thing is that you have folks trying to bring technique from the barbell world right. to the kettlebell right. world. And what they're doing, they're doing that crush grip. The handle's pretty much going – in a straight line across the palm, the yeah. hands are back, the elbows are up, and they're stretching right. their forearms, and the ulnar right. nerve is like, screw you. And I mean, just because you have certain exercises in the world of kettlebells that also are named after the same exercise you might find in barbell lifting, snatch, clean and jerk, doesn't mean you're going to use those same techniques. And I think that's what happens, and I always see it pretty much any workshop, when I have someone that's very much from a, an Olympic lifting background or a powerlifting background, and it's very hard for them to disconnect from those techniques right. because they hear those trigger words. They hear jerk. They hear, yeah. they hear overhead press. They hear snatch. I mean, I've seen guys trying to snatch a kettlebell with their arms going out probably in about a, almost a 45-degree angle there. Or yeah. when they look at a clock, yeah. basically they're trying to snatch the kettlebell out toward the two on an analog clock. And right. basically, I'm just looking at them like, you know what? You're making me really wish I changed careers, man, because that show is about to, go, is about to blow yeah. out. <laughs> no, you, you, what's funny is that the exact opposite is also the case. Like, I've, I've worked with UK strength coach Sabina Scala many times, and she's mm-hmm. the best at teaching Olympic weightlifting. And she finds that it's very hard to teach Olympic weightlifting to kettlebell experts because they try to use kettlebell yeah. technique on Olympic lifts, and it's a totally different style. Like you just yep. said, superficially, you hear – clean and jerk, snatch, et cetera. But the technique is a lot different between kettlebells and a barbell. The only thing that's similar is the hip hinge and the hip power, and some of those things are nice carryover. But in terms of 
the way you catch the bell is much different than the way you catch a barbell. Yeah, the the amount of power you put into it. You know, Olympic lifts are meant for low repetition, so you're putting full body explosive power into each repetition. You know, you're not trying to sustain an effort for 10 minutes. Well, with kettlebells, it's about being more fluid, more efficient. Yeah, it's explosive, but you're thinking, you know, even if you're not going to do a 10-minute set, you're going you're gonna to do some reps, right? You're going to do 10, 15 reps with heavy kettlebells. You have to be efficient. Otherwise, it's just going to break apart quickly. Yeah. So it's, it, it's two different styles altogether, which is why I always like to say that, you know, you get good at what you do. You know, if you want to mm-hmm. get good at Olympic lifting, then you can't just do kettlebell training. You have to do Olympic lifting and vice versa. And there's, there's people that are pretty good at both, but generally they were good at one before they picked up the other. In other words, they weren't trying to learn both at the same time. Exactly. So in other words, like I know people who had a good Olympic lifting background, and then they, they, they saw kettlebells, and they're like, okay, this looks cool. And then they went on to, to become pretty good at kettlebells, but they already had one in the bag. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're brand new to both, then pick one, yeah. get good at that, and then you can think about adding the other one in down the road. Yep. Okay, next question is the benefits of juicing. And we're talking about juicing <laughs> fruits and vegetables here, not sticking a needle in your ass. <laughs> let's, let's clarify that. Here, here's my take on it. I'm a big fan of juicing, actually, but the mistake a lot of people make is they use way too much fruit so that they, yeah. they juice like pears and apples. They're like, oh, this is delicious. The problem is, is that it's all sugar, lots of yeah. carrots and stuff like that. What I like to use a juicer for is to get a lot more greens into my diet, so cucumber, celery, uh, spinach, you know, just load up uh, mustard greens, kale, you know, stuff right. like that. And then I'll put a little bit of pear or apple at the very end to just improve the, the taste. Yeah. yeah, and often I'll just add that to my protein shake at the base. So I, yeah. I, I use it every morning. The cucumber, celery, the cucumber, celery, kale, or a mustard green combo is awesome. It puts a lot of greens in a very – assimilable form you can really assimilate this stuff very well and you can add it to your protein shakes a couple times a day or, or whenever you just want to get more greens into your into your diet so I, I do like it for that how about yourself i was going to say the same thing and right now my wife she's really getting into juicing right now she just bought that breville juicer i, I uh-huh. believe it's that the breville i can't remember oh it's the other one i can't remember the name of it she's thoroughly enjoying it but it makes me happy because that means she's going to get more vegetables in her, in her diet. She laughs at me because I'll sit there and I'll just drink whatever she makes. She's like, you like that? I'm like, yeah, because I grew up <laughs> on that. So it's a, there's a thing to be said in the way you're raised. And there are going to be some people who didn't have access or weren't raised having a lot of natural, real food. There's a lot of drive-through action going on as they were growing up. So uh, I see a lot of times I hear a lot of people like, well, I wanted juice, but I don't like vegetables. I don't like the way they taste. They want to end up doing what you were just saying, add a lot of fruit to it, try to sweeten it up. Or they feel like if they go to Jamba Juice or something like that, they're doing themselves a favor. I'm like, no, not necessarily. You're not. It's just like a big cup of sugar right there. And I'm, if I'm going to have that much sugar, there are more tasty things in the world <laughs> that I can use that much sugar for. So, right. Right. so yeah, you definitely want to get that balance. And basically what you want to do when you're juicing, especially with a lot of greens, yeah, everybody wants to try to find recipes and books and things like that. My thing is just experiment with your food, yeah, man. Exactly. And, and exactly. keep some carrots or some red delicious apples or something nearby and use that at the end to kind of balance things out so it's not right. as stringent when you're drinking it from the, um, the vegetable juice or whatnot. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, I really like it, man. I really like juicing, and it really helps me because let's, let's be honest, folks. For what our bodies need, especially in this day and age as far as nutrients from fruits and vegetables, we're not going to be able to eat enough, especially when right. it comes to vegetables. We're not going right. to be able to digest that much. And you always hear a lot of these trainers say, you know what, you can eat all the vegetables you want. Yeah. That's good in theory, but it's more like eat all the vegetables you can handle, and then you right. need probably juice. 
because right, right. I mean, there's only so much you can do before you're like, I'm gagging now. I can't, I can't eat anymore. And next thing you know, probably about 10 minutes later, you are going to be hungry if that's all you're doing is just eating vegetables, eating right. grains all the time. Yeah, you got to balance things out. You can't just pick a food group and decide that's what I'm, all, I'm going to be all about. I'm all yeah. about, I'm just going to be, there's a way of being a vegetarian, and then there's the wrong way of being a vegetarian. Just to yeah, say, I'm just the, wrong, the wrong way it could be like 30 bananas a day and that's oh, it. And yeah, stuff like, you know, stuff so like that. you got to really have some type of balance. So your body wants protein, yeah, your body like wants a, carbohydrate, and it wants yeah, fat. Just like something like it. Atkins is not going to work for most people. You nope, know, not, like, for, it, not it, for a it, long time. Too, yeah, exactly. It's going to make your breath horrible, number one. That'll happen the first couple of weeks. You're yeah. going to have no energy. You're going to be irritable. Your gut's going to be destroyed. You're going to feel like crap, man. So, I mean, all, all these extremes are, are, this, are this just going to be one or the like, other type situation. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, you have to have a balance. So whether you're eating a vegan diet like me or you're eating a, you know, like, a, I'm not even going to call Sincere's diet paleo because he eats everything that's healthy. But, you know, he eats, he, he's, he eats meat and vegetables, et cetera. But you, we both have a balance in what we eat. You know, we get a good amount of protein, you get some good fats, you get some low glycemic carbohydrates, and you're good to go. You're going to feel good. And whether, you know, the real test of whether your diet is working is your results, right? How do you feel each morning? How does your body composition look? Because I'll often have people tell me, like, oh, you, you, there's no way what you're doing can work. It's like, well, I've been doing it for 20 years, man. So, I mean, if you. If I'd only been doing this for two months, then you may have a point. Like, okay, let's see what happens in 20 years, but it's been right. 20 years. So, I mean, you don't get stronger each year and feel good and, and, and feel young and healthy like I do without doing a few things right. You know, in those situations, they're based on a one-time experience. They'll see right. someone, they'll see the, the crazy, radical vegan who's all frail, teeth are all brown, their skin is dingy, and they're the one with the stringy hair, and they're all like, yeah, you know, you can't eat this, you, you got to just be a vegan, and that's the only way to eat, and this is the only thing that's going to work for you, and they're looking tired, they got bags on their eyes, like, well, if I'm going to look like that, no. And on the flip side of that, you also have people who are like, yeah, all, we shouldn't be eating any, any grains, any carbohydrates, other than vegetables, and we should just be eating just animal fat, and just eating protein, animal protein, all the time. And right. they've got a big gut, yeah, they, got pimples, they got pimples everywhere. Their eyes are dingy yellow. It's like, yeah, exactly. you know what, buddy? It ain't working. <laughs> no. Yeah, so I don't your your results are either your best testimonial or your worst testimonial. Exactly. So, I mean, and, and, and I've talked to paleo people who haven't lost a pound. They've been doing it forever, and they haven't lost any weight. And it, it, basically, their results are – your DNA, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just need to think about things logically, man. It's like, you know, you, you need to have a good balance of nutrients in your diet. You know, we all need – good carbohydrates for brain health and every, a lot of other metabolic functions. We all need good fats to nourish every cell in the body and make your skin look good and optimize hormones. Hey man, yeah. you're not eating fat. You're not going to have good sex. No hey. fat, no sex. Not even, good, not even sex with yourself because you're not going to be in the <laughs> mood. Okay? So don't think you're struck well, I don't need it. I don't need anybody else. I can just treat myself. No, you're not going to have any sex drive. Okay? Uh. And then, and then your, your workout performance will go down, your mood will go down and everything. So, I mean, when, when you have a diet balanced nicely for you, you feel good, man. Your workouts are good. You feel good each day. Your mood's good. You know, your neurotransmitters are balanced in your brain. You know, you're locked and loaded. You're ready to go. Here, but you can always remember, any diet that starts off with the word low means it's going to be yeah, some yeah, high exactly. other crap. So if it's exactly. low fat, it's going to be high bull crap somewhere else. <laughs> so it's gonna be, if it's That's low true. carb, it's going to be... It's going to be way too much fat and processed. It's going to be high or low in that. And you know, you know what it really comes down to? It's just like what you said about juicing. People are always looking for recipes and so forth. You've got to experiment with stuff. I mean, take some advice and then build it from there. 
Nutrition is the same way. You have to experiment with stuff. Honestly, that's how I found out what works for me. I didn't read any books about it and so forth. I, I tried things out and found out what didn't work pretty rapidly. The, the great thing about working out hard is that if your workout performance goes down the drain, then you know that your diet's not working. So it, it's right. a real, it's a very effective gauge of whether something's working or not. When you have your diet dialed in and your workouts are awesome and you're putting on muscle, you're losing fat, you're feeling good. And you're then, then you know. Yeah, and then no you know things recovery. are working out. Yeah, exactly. Then you, then you know things are dialing in. So, and then yeah, the you know what's so funny is we get books sent to us and all this. I have all these books and all these different diets and all these different theories and whatever. You know I never make it past the first two or three pages right. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm just like, ugh, dude, honestly, you don't know me. And that's what it comes yeah, down to. Exactly. And that's how you should feel. That's how our listeners should feel when you're reading those BS magazines on the newsstand telling you that this diet, Kim, Kim Kardashian's post-baby diet. You know, first of all, unless you're Armenian and you got impregnated by Kanye West, that diet has nothing to do with you. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> so, yeah, once you make your own sex tape and you, and you release it on purpose, then you can get that book and maybe it'll apply to you. <laughs> no, but also what's, also what's funny is that when people will say, well, you know, well, eventually what you're doing is not going to work for you. It's like, well, how the fuck do you know what's going to work for me or Follow not? Follow me, man. I'll uh, tell you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, you know my, what, do you live with me? You know my DNA better than I do? It's like, so people, I, lo- I love people who call themselves scientists, and then they say, this is the only way that's going to work. I was like, well, no scientist has absolutes like that. Every scientist always leaves room open for change because they realize is that they, there's no absolute information on a lot of stuff. So you have hey, man, to look at Pluto. Poor thing's not even a planet anymore. Science has changed their mind. <laughs> right. He got kicked out of the club. Come on, man. Yeah. Oh, and just real quick on juicing. I used that Jack LaLanne juicer, the, the steel-based one. I just picked it up at Best Buy or somewhere. You know, it works well. I've had it for years. So that's just one option for that as well. Okay. Next is nootropics. What, what nootropics are effective, if any? Well, there, there's a lot that are effective. And the most effective one is a prescription-based one, and it's called modifinal which you have to get a doctor prescription for, or if you, know, if you want to buy it illegally or semi-illegally on the Internet, you can do that. I'm not recommending that, but, you know, that option is there. So don't shoot me an email and ask me, you know, where to get this stuff because I'm not going to tell you, all right? That's now, with, yeah, modifinol is awesome, man, and it's, it, you, can, you can get it from a doctor. You get a prescription, get it from a doctor. It's very expensive if you try to buy it at a local Target or another pharmacy in the U.S. I mean, one thing you can do is you get a prescription and then you can find offshore places to fulfill it. And that's, that's just, so take a look into that. But modifinal, it's M-O-D-A-F-I-N-I-L. Just do some research on that. I, I've used that. Sometimes I take that before I teach workshops, especially overseas. Sometimes I take it when I'm writing. I, when I was writing my book, finishing it off, I was using it quite a bit. And then I'll take it before writing ad copy, things like that. It's, it's, I wouldn't say it's addictive in the sense that, like, once you start taking it, you want to keep taking it. It's like some kind of like a heroin or something like that. Not that I've ever used that. But it, it, it can be addictive in the sense that, I mean, it really makes your brain focus go up several notches. I mean, it, it's a noticeable difference from the first dose. So someone that has that addictive personality may feel like, okay, I'm just going to take this every day. And while there haven't been any studies that show that there's negatives of doing that, that doesn't mean that there aren't negatives. And my right. feeling is that anything that takes you up to a certain point is going to have a negative feedback loop at some point. So it's one of those things where, you know, you use it when you need it from time. You have to be a disciplined person is where I'm going. That's, that's the short answer to this whole thing is that you, you don't you want, want an example of that. Go watch the movie Limitless. Yeah. Well, that's what got me to look into stuff like that is. That's what got me to find stuff like Modifinal is after, after watching that. 
But there's an interesting, there's a really good website called antiaging-systems.net, and they have all kinds of nootropics there that are pretty interesting. One's called Depranil that is very good at increasing dopamine, similar to the Macuna in my testosterone booster, and it, it has a lot of neuroprotective effects for your brain. There is Paracetin, which you can also get at a variety of places, but they have some different blends over there that are pretty interesting. So it's one of those things where you have to play around with nootropics and find what works for you. Some, some of the more popular ones, like I get questions about Alpha Brain all the time, and you know, I, I think Alpha Brain is a pretty good blend, but I don't, I don't feel personally that the, the amounts of each nutrient in it are enough to be effective. And some people have taken it and told me that it worked great for them, and my attitude is fine. You know, keep taking it. If you feel you're getting a benefit out of something, keep taking it. I tried it, didn't get much out of it. You know, I tried the two, the two different formulations they had. I didn't get much out of it personally. And, and, and again, as just someone who's very well, very well researched with ingredients, I think that a product like that would have to be a powdered drink in order to give you the most amount of each nutrient to be effective, in my opinion. And then uh, one more that's really good, actually, one, one other nootropic that's over-the-counter and very inexpensive that I like is called Power Drive. And that's made by, that, that's sold over at T Nation as a biotest supplement. And this has a very good dose of tyrosine, three grams, which is excellent. It's got DMAE, good amount of that in there. It's got phosphatidylcholine. So this will help increase dopamine as well as acetylcholine levels, which are very important for reaction time, memory, recalling information. And it's only, it's less than $20 for 30 servings. So you, you really can't yeah. beat that. But all, all these things are going to be kind of like a mild, subtle boost. You know what I mean? You're not going to take power drive and be like, whoa, all of a sudden I'm going to write a book. I'm going to work on ad copy. I'm going to go read three. I'm going to go attend lectures. All of a sudden your brain is firing full cylinder. No, you're not going to get that kind of effect from it. It's going to be subtle, but it, over time you'll, it, it'll definitely improve whatever activity you're working on. Taking before workouts with a little bit of caffeine, like a cup of coffee or a cup of black tea, it's pretty effective. It's pretty cool. But uh, the, the modifinol is very powerful stuff. So, I mean, that's something to talk to your doctor about. That's something for you to research. You know, it's not something for you to say, oh, that sounds interesting. Let me go buy a bunch of that. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, that yeah. Because, again, you're, you have to be responsible when you're doing this stuff. So, well, what I mean by that is if you're going to try some stuff out and things don't go well, that's your fault. You know, that's your responsibility. So don't, don't take like, well, Mike said modifinol is good and something goes wrong for you and now it's my fault. No. Uh, I'm just telling you, I'm just giving you information. You have to be an adult and do the research yourself and, and make a determination on what's going to work well or not for you. Okay. Somebody asked, like, what are our favorite apps at the moment? Kind of going on to a different direction here. Now, I know we talked about this once before, and we kind of just touched on a few back then. That's probably about a few months ago. So, of course, there's constantly new apps coming out. For right. me right now, especially now with the show, what I'm finding very, very helpful now is, well, of course, there's Evernote, but I'm really starting to use Evernote. It's been like one of the top apps out for the last few years, but I'm really starting to put it to use because I'm constantly seeing different things when I'm online and different topics or things like that. And I want to make sure that I don't lose those topics. So if I'm on my phone and I'm out and about and I see something like that, if I see a really good, interesting topic that I want to bring up on the show or something I want to refer back to later or something that can actually help the show, I'll add it to my Evernote account. And the cool thing about that, I can either link directly to that website. I can take a snapshot of the page if it's just an article that I just want to remember. And or if I want to add some audio to it and kind of give myself a verbal note of why I want to have this, or even if I'm just riding around, I need to give myself some mental notes, I can just hit that audio recorder on, on Evernote. It'll record it, and then it'll save the file into my account so I can come back to it later. Because 
trust me, when I sit in my car or my truck and I'm listening to podcasts, I'm constantly getting different ideas that can help me business-wise with this show, with training. And if you're driving, I can't write and I can't be texting. So I just hit that recorder, boom, say what I have to say, give myself a mental note, and then I put that in my Evernote account. And so, yeah, that's one of my favorites right now. Another one of my favorites is another app called Buffer. And you can find that one online at BufferApp.com. What I like about Buffer, whenever we have new shows coming out or someone may have missed a post before because we're all online at different times of the day. Instead of just constantly, like a lot of folks do, just spam you with whatever they have going on with back-to-back-to-back-to-back posts on all social media at the exact same time, especially if you're following those people and all those different things. What I like about Buffer, I can dictate when I post something whenever, and I don't have to be on my phone or be on my computer to post it. I can just schedule it. So if I wanted to send something out to Twitter regarding the show, then I can schedule it for that. If I want to do a retweet from somebody, even at that time, if I see something very interesting, I want to retweet it. But let's just say I see it like 3 o'clock in the morning, then, and I want people here in the U.S. to see it when they're going to probably be on Twitter, then I'll probably schedule it for like 9 or 10 o'clock that morning. Just I want to share a link or, or resource with someone. So you can do all those things with, um, with Buffer. And the last one is definitely for a lot of folks who are into the RSS feeds and bookmarking websites and want to get constant updates whenever those sites update. If you notice, back in July, I believe, Google got rid of the Google Reader. And pretty much everyone had Google Reader on their Android phones. For those pretty much who use Google as their main homepage or something like that, well, you don't have that resource anymore. So you're like, okay, what do I do now for RSS feeds? What do I do now for sites that I bookmark for their updates? How do I know when they've updated with new material? So an alternative to that now is another app called Feedly, and that's F-E-E-D-L-Y. With that, now you can go and you can add a bookmark or an RSS feed to your favorite website and always constantly see when they're updated. Even Mike's site, uh, even my website, you'll always see when there's an update, when something's been added. So if there's an archive of last week's show been posted on either one of our sites, if you have us in your Feedly account, you get the RSS feed for that or whatever. And all you have to do is just go to the site and add the RSS feed. Or if you go in Feedly in the search, just type our website. It'll find it if we have RSS feeds. And then you can do that with other websites. So what it'll do is you'll see it when there's an update. And you don't have to sit there and wonder. So I'm, a, I'm big on that because there's so many interesting websites out there, but it's hard to keep up with them. So whenever... I want to actually read and not watch stuff or something like that. I want to see what's going on. That's when I open up my Feedly app and see what's going on on my favorite website as far as updates. And you can even categorize everything as well. So you can place us on the fitness, health, business, self-help. And when you go into that category, you'll find all your favorite sites under that category and their updates. So, yeah, yeah man. Uh, that's cool. Those are my yeah, top three. Yeah, those are awesome. I mean, I don't use a lot of apps. I'm not a, I don't, I have a, I have a smartphone, but I I don't really use a whole lot. In fact, I actually thought about getting rid of it, but that's another story. But anyway, Back home, baby, Walmart. <laughs> I'm just getting rid of stuff on all together. So you have to Skype me if you want to get in touch. <laughs> but uh, White Noise is an app I use, which uh, really helps me sleep at night. You just pop that on, and especially when you're traveling, you're on a long flight, you can listen to like the beach or rainfall or just being in a nature or stuff like that. So that's really cool. So for, for those of you that are having trouble getting in quality sleep and you need something to help you relax, check out White Noise. That's a pretty cool app. And other than that, I don't really have a whole lot that's too exciting apps-wise in my phone, so I won't even bother getting into anything else there. But, uh, okay, one more 
few more questions here, and then we'll wrap up for today. Okay, one one's an interesting question about flaxseed oil and in how there, there was a study that showed that in eating consuming flaxseed oil increased prostate cancer. What's my take on that? Okay, well here's here's what here's what you want to look at because people automatically reduce it to its most simplest interpretation, which is often flawed. So what 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 a lot of people took from the study is uh oh eating consuming flaxseed oil increases prostate cancer so let's just cut out flaxseed oil altogether. They didn't look at right. why they didn't look at why that might have been the case. With the study, they had a, I think it was an Italian study, they had a bunch of men consuming a lot of flaxseed oil as basically their only source of fat. Now flaxseed oil has a lot of omega threes. Yeah. Well it has a lot of omega three and it doesn't have much omega six. Omega three right. lowers inflammation, omega six increases inflammation. You need both. Here's why. Too much inflammation, you're going to have joint pain and other issues. Okay, we all know about the negatives of too much inflammation. It's going to cause diabetes, all kinds of health issues. Not enough inflammation, and you have unhealthy cells grow and proliferate. We're, we're talking about stuff like cancer cells and stuff that you don't want to have happen. You know, we have both for a reason. We have foods that help us increase inflammation, and we have foods that help us lower inflammation. And the key is to have a balance. Now, if you're only consuming flaxseed oil as your primary, primary source of fat, then you have too much inflammation reduction and not enough inflammation actually coming up to, to get rid of unhealthy cells and so forth. So that's basically what happened there. It's not that flaxseed oil is unhealthy. It's just that you don't want to make it your only source of fat, which is a no-brainer. Of course, why would you make it your only source of fat? No, you have it balanced out. We want to have about a two-to-one ratio between omega-3 and omega-6. You know, some people are going to do better with more omega-3 and less 6. Some is going to be maybe a one-to-one ratio. But uh, you want to have a balance of those. So basically what we can extrapolate from that study is that if you have too much omega-3, that's also problematic. It's just, it's, it's just as problematic as having too much omega-6. You need both. comes right back to that balance equation. And then next question here, let's see, you know, what are our, what are our, some of our favorite pre-workout meals? You know, not pre-workout supplements, but a pre-workout meal. And I, I, I like to have about a meal about two hours before I train. I don't like to have a meal too close to the workout because then you're still digesting it. It's starting to come up and so forth. Yeah, but you might see yeah. it during your workout. Yeah, 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 exactly. You hit those squats hard or those kettlebell swings. Well, you might hear it. <laughs> you, might, you might lose that meal, which is not being efficient because – you just lost the benefits of that meal. Now you have to go consume it again to make up for it. So you don't want that to happen. But I like to have a balance of good fats, low glycemic carbohydrates, and protein about two hours before I train. You know, one of my favorite meals is just a power shake. So this will be about 35 to 40 grams of protein, pea rice and hemp protein, or sachi inchi protein. I just add all those together. I put some ginger, cinnamon, and nutmeg in about maybe a fourth of a teaspoon of each. Just to get the just to turn it into a super meal, there's many benefits of all three of those. Then I add in some low glycemic fruits like blueberries, strawberries, acai. Put in some good fats like coconut oil and uh, dark chocolate powder, so cacao powder, some some chia seeds, things like that. I mean, this is a power meal. I put in those greens that I that I mentioned with the the, the juicing segment, and then I just blend that thing up. It's nice and easy to absorb. Two hours before I train, bam, you fuel right through that workout. I mean, you don't have that drop-off point where you finish your first exercise and you're going, oh, you have that sustained energy that gets you through. So that, that's what I find really works for me. And also, remember, 
it's what you eat the day before a workout that has even more of a profound effect. So if I'm going to work out hard on Monday afternoon, I want to make sure that dinner on Sunday was great, and not just dinner, but I want to make Sunday a good refueling day where I'm relaxing, I'm, I'm consuming a lot of good food, so I have a nice surplus going into Monday to power through that workout. Yeah, man, I'm pretty much, I don't really want to have like a big meal or something like that a couple hours before a workout. I pretty much just reduce it to a smoothie. And just like you were mentioning, spinach is always like my favorite to start off with when I'm doing that. So it may contain spinach. I might crack one egg in there, um, throw in some cacao powder. I might throw in some hemp seeds. It just really depends. Sometimes it's almost like gumbo, like whatever I see sitting around the fridge, and I don't want any fruit. I don't want fruit and vegetables to go bad. I'm like, this is the perfect time to blend that stuff up. And even with my milk, um, I'll, I'll, I'll switch it up. Sometimes I might add regular milk. I might have almond milk. Most of the time I make my own seed milk at home. So I have a Vitamix here. So I'll end up making, I've made sunflower seed milk, which is really, really awesome. It's sweet. It's creamy. So those of you who love cow's milk, and if you have access to raw milk and you like the creaminess of raw milk, then I suggest if you want to kind of give yourself a break from that and go with a seed milk, man, making your own sunflower seed milk is is awesome. It's really, really clear. This is you. You blend this up in a Vitamix. Do you strain it at all? No, I, I have. Well, yeah. As far as making the milk, yeah. So here's the ratio to making any seed milk, whether it's almond milk or with walnut milk or whatever. You always want to have three cups of water to one cup of whatever seed you're using. Okay. So and that'll pretty much give you. That'll yield about a quart right there. So if you want to make a half a gallon, then you got you know six to two, as far as the ratio. Right. And you'll blend it up for about four minutes, and you can get a cheesecloth, which you can get those pretty much at any grocery store. Right, Take a right. cheesecloth and pour the, you know, pour the milk over that into whatever container you're going to put it in. That'll get all the pulp and all the other stuff out of it. So, therefore, you'll just have the milk itself. And actually, sometimes I like to run it through the cheesecloth maybe two or three times just right. to make sure. And if you want to add something to sweeten it a little bit, then my thing is you add a little bit of honey, a little bit of maple syrup if that's what you want to do. Or you can add some vanilla extract to it as well if you want to make a vanilla milk out of it. It's really, it's really simple. So, like I said, I'm always changing the milks around. But that's pretty much what I'd rather have a couple hours before a training session. And then there's, this old, there's the old school. If you can tolerate it, you can tolerate the bread or whatever you use, there's nothing wrong with a good old peanut butter and jelly sandwich. No, you know, in fact, so. in fact that, that was my go-to pre-workout meal when I was in college. That's because I didn't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't have money for protein powder. Protein powder, are you kidding me? I had like a multivitamin, <laughs> and then you know, when creatine first came out, I was, yeah. it, was, it was much more expensive then than it is now, but that was the one supplement I did allocate some funds towards, and that was it. The rest of it was you know, you, whatever you had at the cafeteria, and then when I started living on my own off-campus, <laughs> yeah, when I started living on my own off-campus, it would be – whole wheat bread with a couple of tablespoons of peanut butter two hours before I worked out. You know what? It works. It yeah. worked then. It'll work now. When I was in Kenya visiting my parents, same thing. I was like, all right, I'm going to get my workouts going here. Same thing, man. That, that, it's a nice balance of fat, protein, carbohydrates. And people, yeah. people always say, well, what about the grains and this and that? Okay, I, like, I got something that? for them. I was just about to say that. I've got <laughs> something for those folks. You know what? <laughs> Put your bread up. You don't have to worry about it. Grab a banana. Throw some peanut butter. Slather that sucker. Oh, excuse me. If you're probably not eating grains, you're probably not eating peanut butter. Okay. Almond butter. Coconut butter. Okay. Slather that bad boy over your banana or mush it all together. Put it in a bowl. And here's something I like to do also, Mike. I like to take the nut butter and I'll take something like, let's say, raspberry preserves. Okay. Uh Not the commercial kind of smuckers and all that madness. Get something that you made (laughs) yourself or you got from a farmer's market. 
take that, take about a tablespoon of the preserves, take about two tablespoons of the nut butter that you're going to use, take a tablespoon of cacao, put those all in a bowl, and use whatever milk you're using, animal milk or not, put that in there, just a little bit, just a splash, and then whip that up in that bowl, and there you have a great snack. In fact, I actually had a recipe like that in our friend Lisa Schaefer's magazine, Kettlebell Inc. I believe oh, cool. it was probably if you type in Sincere Hogan, Kettlebell Inc. in Google, you'll find that recipe. And I pretty much did a video and show you how to make this. It's so easy. It takes like maybe four or five minutes. You put that in a bowl, you whip it up, boom, you've got a nice little pudding. It's kind of thick. You can even throw protein powder in there if you have it instead of the cacao. I like to have the cacao. I actually want a little bit more magnesium where I know it's coming from a really good source, whereas I'm not trusting too many protein powders with that. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. So, so yeah, almond, almond butter mixed with a little bit of cinnamon is delicious. I was at a vegan restaurant. I think it was, might have been in L.A. where they had chocolate cake with almond butter as the, as the icing. It was delicious. Oh, man. Man. Yeah, I was like, this is a good idea. I can't believe I didn't think of this. Already. Yeah, and what I just told yeah. you guys, that, that whole little concoction I just told you, you can yeah. also use that as icing. I've done that before on cake. So yeah, man. you can nice. use that same thing and you just whip it a little bit more, boom, there it is. Leave it yeah. in overnight in the fridge, let it get cold for a couple of hours. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's great icing to make. It's yeah, that man. crap from Duncan Hines with hydrogenated oils and, who got, and God knows what else is in it. And then if, also, if you're a paleo person that's want to eat bread, you can, you can put the peanut butter in your hand and just have a hand sandwich. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, honestly, I think, I think if you get some good quality grades, man, it's not the end of the world. We're, we're kind of in like this whole uh, everybody hates grain world right now. It's like, it's like the nutrition world always goes through this, right? Guess like, what? Okay. Everybody hated fat during the 80s. Right, right, right. It's like everyone hated fat. Then everyone everybody hated, hated carbs, carbs, you know, during every, the 70s. Then, then it was like meat's unhealthy. Then it's like, okay, meat's healthy. It's like, oh, vegan diet's unhealthy. No, now it's unhealthy. You know, it keeps going through these phases, and now we're in the whole, oh, grains are the cause of every problem of humanity. You know, we haven't been eating them long enough. Yeah. We've only been 10,000 years, and now we find out, yeah. like, okay, okay <laughs> it was actually 10, 80, but still. 10,000 years, yeah, okay. Like, first well, of all, how are you going to tell me my body can't adapt to this crap? Like, first of all, if we can adapt to things, we'd still be amoeba, okay? Yeah, most, <laughs> most of the world lives off stuff like that. They don't have exactly. access that's, that's what I said. And, and, Those and are two third world problems, and I say third world because the United States was not first. So this is not the first world. These are not first world problems. Well, you know, those are third world food sources. And I was like, <laughs> look, man, third world, first world, you know, these, these are food sources. And I, I don't know. You know, I've been to the so-called third world, and I, I don't see obese people there like we do here in the U.S. and other parts of the developed world. Yeah, hey, I don't so, see, you know, for eating those grains and talking about teeth and all this, I'm like, when I see people in Africa and Asia, I'm seeing some very pearly white teeth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've been to Canada. And they didn't go and get it brightened from a Groupon you know, yeah. special like they do here in the States either. Because yeah. I'm telling you, let's, let's be honest, man. I watch some of these award shows. These people's teeth are starting to get a little ridiculous now, man, <laughs> with, with all the, the whitening. It's yeah, you can, see yourself, you can see yourself reflected on their teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the last time, there were some people that were blessed with white teeth, naturally like George Michael during the 80s, and his teeth were a little ridiculous. Back then, you're like, damn, dude, those are like the pearliest white teeth ever. Now, he just falls into the crowd. Nobody would ever know because not everybody's teeth are like that. It's like, come on, people, with the bleaching. <laughs> it's funny how bleaching always comes back up on our show. <laughs> Some yeah. way, somehow. <laughs> we're obsessed with that. That's what people think. We're, we're just obsessed. We can't talk enough about it. <laughs> Good. Well, you know, we have a few more questions, but we'll save that for another episode. But I did want to talk to you about this because by the, when this episode comes out, it will be right before the UFC this month with – 
uh, George St. Pierre versus Hendricks. So I wanted to get your take on that. And then we have some other good fights in that car. We've got Rory McDonald and versus Robbie Lawler. And we have, let's see, Rashad Evans versus Chael Sonnen. So, I mean, those are, those are three interesting fights. I think, uh, what do you, I'll, let, let's get your picks first and then I'll just chime in. Man, let's see. Okay. Honestly, you know, I'm going with Johnny Hendricks over GSP. I know there's going to be a lot of people like, what, what? Well, look, man, it, it can be done. It can be done. I mean, it can be taken away just that quickly. And I actually feel like out of all the people that he's faced, this is his biggest threat. This I agree. Is his biggest threat because the wrestling game that GSP is, you know, been known for, not really going to work with Hendricks. Stand-up game, don't even, I don't think he even wants to go there with Hendricks, you know, with that knockout power. Those little agitating jabs that he did, like with Koscheck, can't do that with Hendricks. It's right. just not going to be a good look. I think the one thing that we've never seen really from GSP has been a jiu-jitsu game. Right. That, I think that could be the one thing that could be very surprising. Cause, yeah. you know, so I've never seen Hendricks do that. And that's I where think I, I think GSP has the big edge, though, is jiu-jitsu. So I think that – Yeah, so that's – I, I, I agree with you. Him to help so, him. Yeah, I think, I think that you – know, you can never count out GSP. That guy always finds a way to win. But I, I do feel that Hendricks is the biggest threat, which I think will make for a really interesting fight because yeah. – I don't think it's gonna. I don't think he's gonna be able to play it as safe as he's had in the past. GSP, I mean, because yeah. I think Hendricks is really gonna take it to him. So yeah. when a guy takes it to you like that, you know, you have to react. You have exactly. to be more proactive. In fact, I think GSP may even have to take it to him first just to set the just tone. Just earn some respect from him. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. So I, I'm actually really curious about that one. I'm, I'm gonna look at the betting spread too and see see how much of an underdog Hendricks is, if at all. I don't know where it's at right now. The um, fight metric site. Usually they'll put, like, when somebody's an underdog, they don't even really have him on here as an underdog at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I would say I, I would say the betting is probably going to be fairly even for something like that. And, and, yeah. and in, in a year of upsets that we've had, who knows? Oh, yeah. Who knows? Anything yeah. can happen. But I, I do feel like if there's, if there's a guy who's a bad style matchup who can beat him, it's definitely him. And it's it, Hendricks, well, yeah. One thing that Hendricks has said is he's fought all the same people that GSP has as well and beaten all of the same Yeah, and it's people. so funny. That they brought so that's home, um, the primetime special. You know, GSP's camp brought in the only guy that's beaten Hendricks, and that was Rick's story. Okay, but at what point in Hendricks' yeah, career yeah, did yeah. this happen? Exactly. It's, I, you know, I'm always amazed when people do that. Yeah, here's the one guy that beat him. Yeah, that was like five, six, seven, ten years ago. Yeah, really? Exactly. This game, are you really going to be that disrespectful to think that his game has not evolved since then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then all those same people they bring in, like, where are those people right now in their rankings? So You also have to wonder how much stress there is being a champion, meaning that the pressure of always having oh. people gunning for you. I mean, I think that's what we saw with Anderson Silva. You get the target on your back. Yeah, mm-hmm. where we, I think that's what we saw with Anderson Silva, where he was tired of people saying he's the best in the world and no one's going to beat him and he's Superman, he's unstoppable, this and that is – it's kind of like he wanted to be out of the limelight and just go be with his family. So you have to you have to wonder how much of that is in GSP's head as well, who's been a champion since 2007. You know, he hasn't yep. lost since 2007. He doesn't have the same family responsibilities and all that kind of stuff. And and you know, he's kind of a nut too, which I think you have to be to be to achieve at that level. You know, Anderson. Well, Stolman he even is, said that. He says it on a prime yeah, time. Yeah, so I he's thought. Like, yeah, he's like, yeah. one thing about me, he's like, I'm crazy. Like, yeah, a lot he's of like, crazy, but I'm a different like, type I of think, crazy. I think about Hendricks in the shower. It's like, yeah, I think you might have wanted to. <laughs> I think you might have wanted to cut that line. He's like, I think about it all the time. When I'm eating, when I'm training, when I'm when I'm in the bathroom. Dude, you know, hold on, when Mike. I, when I'm in, when I I'm in the admit, shower, I was like, I have on. to admit, 
when he said he thinks about it when he's in the shower, the first person I thought about was like, oh, if Mike heard this, I know this is coming up on the show. <laughs> that was like, you know, when someone's like so mad, like they, just, they don't even know what they're saying anymore. Exactly. Just wording it out. Like, like, like when Mike Tyson, Tyson. I'm yeah, going to yeah, eat Mike, Mike Tyson was so mad at that reporter. Put him in a straitjacket. He's like, I'll fuck you in your ass till you like it. I'll eat your asshole. Mike Tyson is so mad. He's telling this guy he's going to give him a rib job. You know what I mean? He's like, he's so, he's so mad. He doesn't even know what's coming out of his mouth anymore. So it's, sometimes it might have been like that. Like, GSP is just so intense. Like, he's the one that's like, you know, I'm, obsessed, I'm obsessed about this fight. I think about it all the time, and then he just he just elaborated on that a little bit too much. You know, when I'm in the shower, when I'm on the can. What did he just say? <laughs> uh, that, that was hilarious, man. That oh, was hilarious. Man. But yeah, you, you you can never count out GSP. So we'll see. We'll. See. But I, I I do feel that he's been playing this game of you know keeping it really safe and scoring points the last several fights, and I really don't think that Hendricks is going to let him do that. But at the same time. You know, who knows what kind of – who knows which Hendricks is going to come into the fight. You know, hopefully it's yeah. not going to be like Ellenberger versus McDonald where Ellenberger's like, I'm going to come in, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then he, he just didn't oh, have – man. He, he just didn't have oh. his head straight when he came in. You know, who knows? No. Hendricks, is, Hendricks is fighting for a belt now. You know, so this is a lot different than any other fight he's had. And, you know, who right. knows what – who knows how – what kind of pressure that's going to uh, – factor in. I hope that's not the case. I mean, I hope it's it's a battle like everyone else. I really hope that's the case, but you never know. Speaking of crazy people, you got Rory McDonald and <laughs> Yeah, but Rory um, McDonald, uh, so American we, Psycho. Yeah, was, we got the basement serial killer versus the comeback kid right here. So, I think uh, Robbie Lawler, going, honestly. Yeah, I'm going with Lawler. Actually, I had yeah. him. I picked him for like knockout. Yeah, I'm really think, going out there. I think Robbie Lawler's uh, he's on a roll right now, man. I think he's going to come out hard and just bring it to, to Rory McDonald and not respect him the way that exactly. Ellenberg did. And I think that's going to – I think Rory McDonald is still a young guy, and he ha- he's not used to that. Yeah. And I think when, when other fighters have done that, like when uh, Con- Carlos Condit fought him, he was losing the first two rounds, and then he just brought it to him hard in that third round and yeah. finished him. So I, I, I think psychologically he may not be there yet where but he guess can handle what? that. And on top of that, Lawler was Rory McDonald at one time. Right, right. And he knows where they got him. He ended up out of the UFC. Right. So he gets it. It's probably going to be a good reality check for Rory. Yeah. Which is good that he's young, so he can he can deal with it. He has time to deal with it. So He doesn't I, want to fight GSP either, and, you know, who knows how – I mean, if, if you're in the same – if you're in the same weight class as the champion, then it's inevitable, you know, what, man. If you what, what, what are you fighting for then, right? Like everyone's gunning for the belt at some point. So I mean, if if you've already decided in your mind, but there's no way I'm going to fight GSP so and, and he retains the belt, then it's you well, know, where do you need to do a Daniel Cormier and drop down to another weight. Yeah, exactly. Because Daniel knows, well. Daniel knows it was probably one or two fights away. He's going to fight Kane. So yeah, Daniel exactly. just went ahead and made that executive decision right then, like I'm going to 205. Right. Right. <laughs> And so, then Chael Sonnen versus Rashad, I'm, I'm going to go with Chael on that one, I think. I'm I think torn that, on this one. I don't know. Yeah. Who, I don't, uh, here's, here's I don't want to see a wrestling I, match. Rashad hasn't been the same for a long time. You know, he hasn't been the same since that John Jones fight. And he's been very tentative in his last two matches. And, and that's not going to work with a guy like Chael Sonnen. He's just going to bring it to you hard and yeah. keep the pressure on the whole time, just like he did with Shogun. Rashad hasn't been the same since Lyoto Machida. Gave yeah, him yeah, thank you, right. leg, as as Rampage said, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, but right. on the on the flip side of that, I'm actually I'm going out on a limb again. This is my going out on a limb pay per view. I actually <laughs> have Rashad knocking Chael out in the third round. Interesting. Because 
I feel like Rashad might have to go back to his boxing just for the fact that the wrestling is going to be expected. Yeah, and I yeah. think he may have seen a couple things with the last fight between Chael and Anderson, and also right. some of the things he did with John. The stand-up game. Here's the thing: he can stuff these takedowns from Chael, and right. he knows to pick up the pace. He's a good wrestler too. Yeah. Yeah, and what I saw, you know, I see that he's lost some weight. He looked from the other night they were on um, Fox Sports One. He looked slimmer, huh. so I'm hoping that means that he's going to be a little faster. Yeah. <laughs> now, I just hopefully he's not as safe and careful and thinking. He needs to stop thinking and go back to being overshot and just like throw it all out there. And let's just let's just go. Yeah, yeah. There's no reason to play the safety mode with Chael. Both of you are pretty much at a standstill in that weight class. No, no doubt, no doubt. I think also it's kind of do or die for Rashad in the sense that I mean he had a he had a very lackluster loss a few fights ago. You know he had a very lackluster win against yep. Dan Henderson, and and now it's kind of like you need if you want to be a a force in that weight he class. You need to make a statement. Exactly. You have to because what sucks for both of them right now, they both have a they they both have a plan B. They're both broadcasters now. Right, so, right, right. I also it. don't think that there's a lot of upside to either one winning. And what there I mean isn't one. That, both of them got destroyed by the champion. Yep. So even even if they both win their next several fights, you know they're not going to get a rematch anytime soon. And not unless there's a new champion. Okay? Right. Exactly. exactly. So it's gonna have, and that's the same thing we were talking about JDS. He's not going to get another chance at the belt until no, Kane's no longer no, champ. Just no. like. You know, Gilbert Melendez. Gilbert Melendez is going to get a chance now because Ben Henderson is not the champion. Right. So, exactly. and, and Rashad just said the other night he's not going to drop down to 185 because he said it's just been, it'll have been too hard to try to drop down to go to 185. But so who said if you got to 185, you didn't have a chance to fight <laughs> Wyman or Anderson at that right, point. Right, and right. the only thing is also that Rashad brought this up about Chell. Chell is already looking forward and thinking about the fight with Vanderlei. So that can always be a mistake, you know, being on the Ultimate Fight in Brazil six months from now and fighting Vanderlei seven, eight months from now. Okay, that's a toss-up with this one. It's kind of hard to even pick anyone on this one, man. Yeah, it is. I mean, that one, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm going to bet on anything, but I definitely wouldn't bet Save on the your Rashad money. versus Chael. Yeah, I wouldn't bet on the Rashad versus Chael because, like you said, there's too many different factors in that one. The Hendricks versus GHP, depending on what the spread is, you know, that one might be interesting. I might put a few dollars down on that. and. Be Roy McDonald versus Lawler. Depending on if Lawler's the underdog, then I would likely put some money down on that too. But you know, maybe I'll be smart enough to put money down in anything. <laughs> just yeah, one it. more man. One more to mention is um, Tyron Woodley versus Josh Koscheck. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot so, about that. I'm going with Woodley on this, and I'm saying yeah, knock out too. the third man. Me too. Me, me too. I think Woodley's on. He's, he's hungry. He, he's hungry. He, he is ascending while I feel like someone like Koscheck is descending. Yeah, and Ko- I, yeah. I still feel like Koscheck is really struggling to try to get that fire back. And he spent too much time with the little episode that he had with Javier Mendez over at AKA. And I think a lot of that really got him distracted. Plus, I feel like maybe just watching their reality show that covered AKA and all that, it just seems like Josh doesn't have the right amount of talent to really bring out the best in him where he's training now. Because right. he's pretty much right. the top dog, which was something that we said about Rashad a while back as well. It's hard right. to be the top dog and make sure that you're getting the, the equal, the caliber of training that you need from the, your training partners. Right. You know, so, and then like AKA, they got it's great for those guys. You got Kane with Daniel Cormier, and they're going to yeah. bring out the best in each other. Yeah. And absolutely. So you're not really getting that with these other guys in their camps, man. I mean, just because the Black Union's got all these different vets and all this, but some of these guys, their time has just kind of come. Right. So it's not it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean, like you said, you could have a great camp, but are you bringing out the best in each other? And I exactly. think that's 
that's one of the things about the Daniel exactly. Cormier and Kane Blasquez alliance is that those guys really push themselves hard each fight. Yeah. So that that's a huge component. One wasn't that heavyweight champion, the other would be. You know what I mean? Like if Kane exactly. stepped down, then Daniel Cormier would probably step up and he would beat everybody and be the heavyweight champion. Yeah, you know, those those two guys are just operating at such a high level. So, they, so that's really interesting to see. But the whole game to me is very interesting. You know, there's so yeah. much psychological stuff involved with MMA. It's, it's such a chess match that oh, yeah. it makes it makes the whole thing so intriguing and interesting to watch. Yep. Oh, and I think uh, I, I think that son and that son and Silva Ultimate Fighter. I I really hope they aired that in the U.S. or it's online somewhere to watch because that is going to be hilarious. Man. Yeah, that's going to be comedy. Because Silva has genuine hate for Son and you know that's not an act like they, they're putting on for the show. You know, that guy really hates Son and Sonnen is such a prankster that that, <laughs> that they're not gonna be like uh you know trying to take the higher road on that show. You exactly. know? <laughs> it's not gonna be like we're two class acts or competing against each other. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be I don't even know how Sonnen's yeah, it's gonna not, make it. it's not gonna be the season when JDS was a coach, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know how Sonnen's gonna make it out of that country alive. Is that what no. I it's gonna be they're a different reality keep, like, show when yeah, it's over. Yeah, they're gonna have to keep like his flight plan secret, like put him on a private jet, land on a on a on an obscure airport, and have like a whole like uh, he's gonna have to have like a presidential escort to get him from one point to another. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like you're really gambling with this guy's life, dude, and making him go to the show in Brazil, man. I mean, that's pretty that's pretty ballsy right there. <laughs> oh man, we'll see how it all turns out, man. I think that's a good spot to stop. Right here. Yep, I think so too. We're going to wrap up. And remember, folks, use coupon code LLA to get 10% off any of my nutrition supplements. And also for Sincere's body weight training video, you get 30% off of that. And then uh, workshop, we got, we got some awesome guests coming up on the show. So we're going to keep that under wraps until it's confirmed. So I, I don't want to be that guy who's like, oh man, we got so and so coming on, and then he never comes on. But we, but we got some cool guests in the pipeline, so we, we got some fun shows coming up. Again, folks, keep those reviews coming. Hit us up on iTunes and Stitcher, Stitcher Radio. So they're doing reviews now on, over on Stitcher as well. Give us those reviews, email them to us, or let us know that you have it so we can go check it out. And Mike will hit you up with his eight-hour hormone optimization lecture. I will hit you up with a copy of a digital copy of the Wellness Code book just to say thank you for leaving your reviews. So Absolutely. there you go. Thanks a lot, folks. And we want to get to that 100 review mark before the end of the year. So keep them coming. I think we're at like 54, 55 now. And I know it takes a while for some of the reviews to actually make it to the page. Yeah, but keep them keep I think they're all being hand, hand released over there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We have, there's like a team of people reading each one. So let's, let's, let's keep these reviews coming in fast and furious and hit that 100 mark by the end of the year. I think, I think what we're going to do also is when we get to 100, this whole gift system is done. How about that? You know, so so that people don't feel like that they could, they're just going to get these gifts yep. forever. Get it while so, you can, baby. Yeah, we're going to cap it off at a hundred. Give you a little extra incentive. So if you're on the fence right now, it's like, oh, I'll get around to that review when I feel like it. It's like, okay, fine. Well, if you're if you're 101, too bad on the <laughs> gift there. So let's let's just so it's like it's the next several reviewers up to up to review hundred that are going to get any gifts. How about that? There All you right. go. Perfect. And we'll see everyone next time. Have a good one. All right, folks. Take care.